0: It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's Rock and Mike And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on The Rock Show Ooh, yeah, on The Rock Show
1: Once again, people, welcome to another exciting rock show, episode 139, and we talk about the making of Physical Graffiti,
2: Led Zeppelin, baby. Right, the Led Zeppelin album from 1975, Physical Graffiti. I'm excited about this one, man, because we haven't talked about Zeppelin a whole lot.
1: I know, but Mike, can I tell you something? Yeah. One of the greatest shows I saw in Madison Square Garden was Page and Plan. (laughs)
2: Back in the '90s, right?
1: And they play uh, everything. And mm. then a few weeks later, I see that the New York Times they called that one of the greatest concerts they ever had in the yeah. whole tour.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was. And they was. fucking
1: rocked. They fucking kicked ass. They were on stage for, Mike. They were on stage for maybe a good two hours just jamming out.
2: I think it was longer than that. I was, it I was. That, I was I was at that show at the Garden. You I were remember there too.
1: and I was fucked up and it was a yeah. last minute ticket that I got from somebody and it was mm-hmm. like, let's go see these guys, okay?
2: Oh, yeah. And it was fantastic. Well, you know, we haven't talked about Led Zeppelin a lot on The Rock Show. and not uh, really. And that's not really because I don't like Led Zeppelin. It's because it's kind of like talking about the Beatles or the Stones. You know, it's been... Talked about so much. Well, we
1: kind of did talk about them when we talk about the Yardbirds. The
2: Yardbirds, yeah, we touched on it, okay, because that was the the roots of Led Zeppelin was the Yardbirds. Yeah, the roots, yeah. But we right. definitely talked about them before, oh, yeah, they, like, yeah, the... yeah. It's come up, but we haven't done any shows about them. And I think uh, what works good is the is the making of concept, you know, because we could talk about these albums kind of like we did with the Stones, Exile on Main Street,
1: you know, mm-hmm.
2: you know, so. Let's get into it. Um, I kind of, I love this album, okay? And uh, I'm not, you know, I'm more of like an early Zeppelin fan. I like the first three albums a lot. Um, You know, Les Zeppelin 4 and Houses of the Holy are okay. Um, But then I think that they just, you know, they totally revved it up with this album. And I think this was kind of like the peak of their creativity, because, I, yeah, yes. I hate to
1: tell you, I think this is the best album they had. Oh, yeah, it could be.
2: It could be. Uh, That's a tough Not one. Not to it pick. could
1: be, to me, it is the best album. Yeah. When I think about Zeppelin, this is the album I think about.
2: Well, I mean, everything from the the classic music on there to the album cover. I mean, the album cover is it's iconic, fantastic. You know, and you live right around the corner from there. <laughs> I live from the corner, We're from, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, Physical Graffiti is the sixth studio album from Led Zeppelin, right? And it was released as a double album on February 24th, 1975 on the band's brand new record label called Swan Song Records. Now, it was commercially and critically a success. Yeah. And it debuted at number one in the UK and it debuted at number three in the United States. Um, The band wrote and recorded Eight new songs for this album in early '74 mm-hmm. at Headley Grange, which is a historical house in Hampshire, England. Okay, now it's that place is famous because acts like Fleetwood Mac, Bad Company, Genesis, Peter Frampton, uh, were you know used it over the years to record as well as Led Zeppelin in, in other times. So this country house kind of gave Led Zeppelin. Ample time to record and arrange the album. It's a very comfortable place to play and hang out and, and you know, it just worked well, the atmosphere. Uh, the total playing time when they ended up recording this ended up being about three studio sides of a record. Okay. Yeah. So they decided let's put out a double album. Let's let's add some more material and make it four sides. Okay. So what they did is but Jeff, they- Mike, this was an eighty two minute album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you couldn't go 82 minutes on a single album in those days. So you, you still can't do it. So, And do you
1: think about that, you know who got the um, producer? Um, Jimmy Page got the producer of this album.
2: Well, he, he, he produced it. You're saying? Yeah, I mean, he, he produced a lot of it. Uh, you got some other guys. No, when you stuff. look
1: at the label, he's like the, one of the main producers of this album.
2: He is. He is, but there were some sound engineers. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about them that were very important in the, in the making of it. Guys that worked with big-time people, okay? Now, what they did with this, when they decided to make the, the Four Sides, the double album, they took some unreleased tracks, they pulled them out of the vaults that were in, you know, Led Zeppelin III, Led Zeppelin IV, and Houses of the Holy, okay? So those three records... Had a lot of unreleased material that they were, you know, still had recorded and could work with. So the very first attempt to record songs for physical graffiti took place in November of 73 at Headley Grange. They were using Ronnie Lane's mobile studio. Okay, we've mentioned him many times with that mobile Mm -hmm. studio. Uh, Guitarist and like you just said, the producer, Jimmy Page and drummer John Bonham. Mm-hmm. recorded an instrumental which was later reworked into cashmere that was the first song that they were, were working on now however these sessions came to a halt okay and the studio time was actually turned over to bad company the band bad company who ended up using that time to record songs for they their debut album all right the press at the time uh peter grant pretty much the management mm-hmm. OK, uh, reported that bassist and keyboardist John Paul was ill and was unable to record. However, that wasn't true. All right. The truth was, is that John Paul Jones was thinking of leaving a band. He was he was disillusioned with things and fed up with touring, the rigorous touring schedule. Uh, and he told manager Peter Grant that he was thinking about quitting the band. So Grant asked him to take the rest of the year off. And to reconsider and kind of take that time to recuperate. So they stay, shut things down while, yep. while John Paul Jones got his shit together. Uh, he did stay in the band, obviously. And, no, I think uh, it
1: did work. I think he oh, they, yeah. they needed that break and he needed that break.
2: Yeah, I mean, they were, they were
1: touring constantly
2: for five years. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it really was nonstop. And it was, it was worldwide. It was, you know, at least Europe and America, back and forth, back and forth. So I could understand that, okay? Uh, the group would then reconvene at Headley Grange in January and February of 74, where they recorded eight tracks engineered by Ron Nevison. Okay. Uh, he was the guy who engineered the Who's Quadrophenia. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So lead singer Robert Plant later referred to these eight tracks as the Belters. Okay. And that, what he meant by that, it was like off-the-wall stuff that they did that turned out good. Yeah, okay. So, as with previous sessions at the Headley Grange, the informal atmosphere allowed the group to improvise and develop material while recording these these songs, okay? Now, sometimes the group would rehearse or record a track several times and then kind of discuss what they liked or what could be improved or what went wrong. So, John Bonham actually turned out to be a big driving force at these sessions uh regularly he would suggest ideas best ways in which uh things that were kind of complicated could be worked out and played successfully uh this led to him getting a lead songwriting credit on several tracks um the eight songs that they had extended like i said before beyond the length of a conventional album uh so they decided on that double album um and they wanted to add formally unreleased material from the previous three albums and also there was a, a jam session they had recorded called Boogie with Stu. All right? Stu being Ian Stewart, the piano player from the Rolling Stones. Uh, Page had thought that that jam was not suitable on anything they had released before, but they decided to put it out on this album. Now, additional overdubs were laid down, and the final mixing of the album was performed in July of '74 by Keith Harwood at Olympic Studios in London, okay? And the title, Physical Graffiti, was coined by Jimmy Page to illustrate the whole physical and written energy that had gone into producing the set. So the album spanned several years of recording and covered a range of musical styles, including hard rock. Examples of that would be songs like Custard Pie, The Rover, um, the Wanton Song, Sick Again, The Houses of the Holy. Um, then you had Eastern-influenced orchestral rock, okay, which would be songs like Cashmere. Yeah. Um, progressive rock, which would be something like In the Light. Yeah, in the uh, light, definitely. Right. And Driving Funk, okay, which would be Trampled Underfoot, all right? Uh, acoustically, they had songs. Um, Boogie With Stew, Black Country Woman, okay, you had your ballads, 10 Years Gone. Um, blues, very heavy blues-based would be like In My Time of Dying. Soft rock, okay, Down by the Seaside. Country rock, Night Flight. Uh, and acoustic guitar instrumentals like Your Or. okay? Um, many of these tracks would, you know, after they release the record, will become staples of the live sets to come mm-hmm. for, for many years to come. Um, So let's kind of talk about each of the songs, okay? All right. Let's start with the first song, Custard Pie. Custard Pie. Now, that was recorded at Headley Grange in early 74. The first take was played at a faster tempo than the final version Mm -hmm. with various improvised vocals. After a basic run-through of the song, the band discussed doing rearrangements. But Page played the guitar solo through an, an ARP synthesizer, all right, which gave it a very interesting sound. And while Jones overdubbed a Hunter clavinet, which is also a kind of keyboard uh, part, and Plant played the harmonica on that song. I love that song. That's one of my favorite songs on the album. I love it. Yeah, just, just I... a great, it's, a great, it's a great opening song, mm-hmm. think, you know, to the album. The next is the song The Rover. Okay. And that was written actually in 1970 at Bronja Orr. Okay. Yeah. Now, that's a Or was a cottage uh, in Wales, in the UK. Uh, it was recorded first at Headley Grange in May of 1970 as an acoustic song for Led Zeppelin III. Yep. Okay. But they didn't use it. Uh, it was reworked for this as an electrified song in 1972 for Houses of the Holy. So, you know, it already had gone through evolution before Physical Graffiti. It already became an electric electric song, right? Yeah. Then, okay? Um, and that kind of was, that version of it became the basis of the track that we know, okay? And Page added some guitar overdubs in 74 with uh, Keith Harwood, you know, doing the engineering on that. But, but let me tell um, you,
1: this song is very good, too. Oh, yeah. fucking fantastic. You know what, you can't, you know, all these songs, I think this is probably one of the best classic, Album, you can get because every song is a good fucking song,
2: you know, and that's that's unique for a double album. Okay, every time you do a double album, there's always at least one or two songs, three songs that might be considered filler. Yeah, no, but okay, there's nothing no, here. there's no filler on this, um, Mike. That, what
1: do you? Because yeah. you, t- you know what, this, they took some of the songs that they already recorded that they didn't right. release and they put in this album. Right. And we think of this album, the way it goes, go from it's almost like elevation. It go from here, then it elevates. Then it elevates To so By the end of it, you're like, motherfucker, this is fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's a kick ass album. It's Terrific. a
1: fucking there's not too many albums that I will give this credit to, but I, I seen I see what when they did I think when they did um Page and they played this whole album almost.
2: Uh most of it. I think there was maybe the,
1: one or two songs that they didn't play, but they played six out of the eight fucking songs.
2: I think they, I think they played at least five or six. Yeah, I'm yeah. I remember, played, I remember "Cash Me," I remember oh, yeah. "Robe." Right, right. Uh, they did play custard pie. They yep. played "Houses of the Holy." Yeah, "Cash Me," like that you was, said.
1: The Madison Square Garden live rendition, and if anybody can get a copy of that Madison Square Garden show, holy motherfucker! What did they strong.
2: ever release a live record? Planted, up um, uh, Page and Plant? Didn't they do an unplug? They did, yes. They did, I think. Yes.
1: I think they did an unplug, and, um, and then they did, the, I think they did unplug first, and then that's where they got the idea to do the shows.
2: I think it came from that. Right, right. That, because they hadn't worked together in, you know, 20 yeah, years. years, you know, 15, 20 years. So, wow. Yeah, you're right. I have to look into that. I think there is an unplugged I wonder if there's any DVDs from that. They might have released things later on. You know, years I'm gonna, later sometimes. I'm, you
1: know what? I'm, I'm going to look it up right now because now, now I'm curious.
2: <laughs> All right, so I'll go on. Uh, the next track on the album is In My Time of Dying. And that's kind of based on a traditional song that Bob Dylan recorded on his debut album in 1962. Uh, the track was recorded live with Paige later adding sly guitar to it on the overdubs. And the arranging and structuring was led by John Bottom, who worked out where the various stop and start sections in the track should be, and how the group would know where to come back in. So, so Mike, you, check this out. Go so ahead. It
1: was, an album called, it was an album that they released, No quarters. It's a live album by Jimmy Jimmy Page and Robert Pan. There both you go. The, and it's a 90-minute album. It was unled unleaded. An MTV project that they fucking did in uh, Wales.
2: Wow. Okay, so it was a live show recorded so they, they, in Wales. They, so
1: check this out. They recorded in Morocco, Wales, and London.
2: Oh, three different places. Okay, I gotta listen to that. I don't think I've ever heard. Oh that. my god, dude, that's that's a fact. What's the, the can, can you can you can you tell what the track list is?
1: Um. All right. So let's see. More. So I so for what I see from this, this so it was. Uh, Nobody's Fought By Mine, Thank You, No Caller, Friends, Yale, City Don't Cry, Since I've Been Loving You, The Battle of No More, Wonderful, That's The Way, Uh, Four, four Stick. Cashmere, and Gallows Pole.
2: Cashmere is the only one from this album that I'm But hearing. I think
1: they did that for the Unplug and then when they went on the show, they, oh, yeah, they, they did a lot everything else. But I think that Unplugged, because it was in 19... 19- it was in nineteen they recorded this and um it came out in the US released October 14, ninety four.
2: That was the tour. When he that when was, they that was the year they toured.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that that's I think pretty much they got the they they did that and they say, Fuck it, let's go on tour.
2: Yeah, yeah, cool. But I mean, you know, the live experience would be better than that that CD because they did a lot more for physical oh, disease. Oh, I know. They did a lot. No, they yeah.
1: did, a, they did, they did a, lot of, a lot of they played a lot of Zeppelin in the whole show.
2: <laughs> That's all they did. I don't, yeah, was, I don't think they like, did wow. anything else. Yeah, I mean, it really was just Zeppelin pretty much.
1: Yeah, so sorry to, but uh, let's go on.
2: Okay, so in my time of dying now, um, the very end of that song features an off mic cough. Yeah, You could hear them kind of cough. And it causes the rest of the group to kind of break down at that point. But Bonham, you know, shouted something like, There's, that's got to be the one, hasn't it? Okay, meaning like the take. Mm-hmm. And, and feeling that it was the best take. It was left on the album. Okay, so you can actually, you know, hear that. Um, you know, they, 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 you know, they were re- very careful and meticulous in what they put on their albums, Led Zeppelin, you know. They wouldn't put a track on there if they weren't sure, you know. And that In My Time of Dying was something that they, you know, they really wanted to put on that album. Now, that concluded side one. Yep. Side two starts with Houses of the Holy. Now, for you youngins out there, I'm saying side two because this was vinyl, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Right? If you've never seen that before, we used to have to flip it over. Sometimes we were too lumped up to do it, you know. (laughs) Sometimes you ended up dropping the needle on the record and scraped right across. That was that's the worst sound in, in all of humanity. That fucking sound when it does that. Now, only if your family had one of those record albums that flipped themselves I did have that. Oh, my dad had that. You mean they flipped over the, the the record for for you? Yeah. Holy shit! Was it one of those big consoles and the TV and all
1: that shit? It was no. It was a, my dad had this big record thing that I hit this. Over, over bubble so you could flip it over and when the song was over
2: it would take the album and just flip it over. I, I saw those things but I've never, I never had one. They were expensive, right? My dad had one. He loved it. it. They had to be expensive those things. So, but "House of the Holy was the first song on side two. Now that was recorded as the title track for the album of the same name in June of 72. They recorded that at Electric Lady Studios in New York City with the famous Eddie Kramer engineering okay now you know i always thought this was kind of funny houses of the holy the song was left off the album houses of the holy they left it off yeah. okay but the reason they did that in case you don't know is because page felt it was too similar to other tracks songs like dancing days uh and they felt that it wasn't even that good okay so they left it off but they kept the title to houses of the holy for the album but Unlike some of the older material or physical graffiti that they were using, this track really required no further overdubbing, or uh, overdubbing, or, or remixing. It was pretty much ready to go, so they you know stuck that on there. Now, trampled underfoot, developed from a jam session driven by John Paul Jones at his clavinet. All right, and the singer went through. Uh, I'm sorry, the song went through several arrangement changes. Before arriving at that final version that we know on the album, um, Bonham felt the track was too solely, okay, too soul sounding, and rearranged it into more of a funk style song, suggesting that Paige should play a guitar riff throughout in place of just playing chords, all right? So the lyrics are a series of kind of like double entendres around driving and cars in general. Uh, the song became a favorite live track after they released that album, um, and they played it at every show from 1975 onwards. Uh, Robert Plant revived it years later at his solo shows. I did hear him do that once. Uh, I, I saw Robert Plant solo once, and I saw Plant and Page—the show you were talking about at the Garden. Yeah, the way- uh, yeah, I saw Robert Plant. It wasn't at the Garden. Ah, where was it? Urban Plaza, I think. It was when he first, Beacon, 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 Beacon. exactly. It was the Beacon when he first came around, uh, not the honey Honeydripist stuff, like when he was doing solo, you know, just solo stuff. Um, I believe it was the Beacon, yeah. And uh, uh, he would play this song, you know, in his solo, Solo Acts, and uh, it was actually released as a single off of Physical Graffiti, with the song Black Country Woman as the B-side, and it ended up being a top 40 hit. Now, cashmere was an idea that Paige and Bonham had. Okay, they first attempted it as an instrumental demo in late 73. So that was the that was the first song when they were putting physical graffiti together. And Robert Plant ended up writing lyrics for the song while he was on vacation down in Morocco, which was one of their favorite places to go. Uh, Jones played Mellotron on the track
0: mm-hmm. and
2: arranged strings and brass parts that were played by session musicians. And the, the song was one of the most critically acclaimed on the album and was played live at every gig from '75 onwards. And Page and Plant, of course, like we said, played in the '94. Let me tell you it's a talk.
1: fantastic song. Like oh, this, yeah, that, this, that's, that song is used in so many movies and stuff,
2: yeah, and uh. Remember Sean Puffy Combs? Did yeah, it? he was. <laughs> <laughs> was that the Godzilla movie? The Godzilla movie. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 you know what's funny? He actually had um, he had Jimmy Page play on the fucking yeah. video. He's
2: he's in the video for that. I yeah. remember. I remember that. wasn't it like a real shaky camera. Yeah, right? but the he
1: video? was like then and he raps over that. Yeah. Yeah. Then Puffy does the shit, the
2: garbage. Does the garbage exactly. So, but Cashmere is one of the, you know, most known Zeppelin songs. I think it's, you know, I mean, you know, I think you know Zeppelin when you hear it. Yeah. But I think I, I think that that song, you know, it takes about two seconds of hearing it on the radio. You know what it is. It's just that, oh, that yeah. you know, it's, it's that, amazing.
1: It's just that song.
2: And oh, you can't, and you, and you have to turn it up. Oh, yeah. you, you, you can't, <laughs> you know, I mean, when I was, when I was young and, you know, all the, the kids that were, like, bigger than me that were going to see Zeppelin, okay, in the 70s. Guys that were maybe five years older than me and stuff like that. Uh, or, I mean, God, how many times as a kid, I don't know, maybe you, I, I was out in Queens. It was a little different than Manhattan. But, you know, the people that had cars, you heard cashmere blasting oh, off, blast off, off the 8-tracks, you know, or these muscle cars in 1976. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's a classic song. You can't, you can't play that song low. Even in your headphones, you got to blast that shit. You want to
1: hear something funny? So when I saw Oasis, yeah, Black Manchester Square Garden in the theater, right? The two brothers got into a fight and one brother just walked off the stage. Right. And the other brother... By himself, started playing via <laughs> Just as a big fuck you to his brother, because he didn't did like Led Zeppelin.
2: Did he sing or what he was sang it? and he yeah. played?
1: He did the whole thing. Oh damn! Wow,
2: wow! And the brother,
1: yeah. the other brother, never came back out. He never
2: came. back. Oh, they were known to do that. Oasis. It was crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Somebody walks off stage. Now side three, the first song was in the light. And that was recorded at Headley Grange in early 74. It was initially not called In the Light. It was called In the Morning. hmm Okay. And when it went through a lot of rehearsals and changes before they got the basic structure You know why the song. they
1: changed the name of the song,
2: right? Huh?
1: You know why they changed the name of the song?
2: Why they changed it? Yeah.
1: No, tell me. Because they thought that In the Morning was a little too uh, racy, like it was too much.
2: Oh, like sexual? Like, yeah, that, oh, it makes no that. sense I, to
1: me. But that's I, the that's the thing. When the, I was looking it up
2: in the light, in the morning, I
1: say that in the light was much better. But in the morning, sounding like too sexual, it was yeah, it was a weird time.
2: Yeah, you had to be careful in those days a little bit, and they had yeah, a they had a, agree, they had a like, reputation. You know what? Let's do it in the morning. <laughs> I would
1: say let's do it in the light. in the do morning, it in the light, the All right, I get it. Okay, it was
2: um, weird. It, it was like you
1: know what. Especially in those times, you use certain words, and like, it's like, it, like it, it, it all goes back to the doors. Don't use light my fire.
2: Well, you know, I mean, Zeppelin would use lyrics in songs like, you know, squeeze my lemon, you know, stuff oh. like that, you know, but my, my, you know. They, they, it was like double entendres, okay? It, it, this, it could not necessarily. So that's what
1: they say when they heard In the Morning. Yeah. No, no, you can't have that. You can't, in the,
2: you the Light. Happen. In the yeah. Light. Yeah. All right. Well, it's still a good song. So, but
1: I, I, I would have liked In the Morning so this would have a great
2: title too. It, it could have worked. I could see yeah. that, you know? I could see them singing But that. think of
1: like, the mentality of these people back in the days. They're like, Little, yeah, well, yeah, like, they,
2: you know, you still had some standards, I guess, in those days, and you had to watch what Elf, you said. from
1: Elvis dancing to certain people yeah. saying he words? <laughs> Think about it.
2: I know, I know. Well, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, they, they, if they only had a probably it was really more about the American market they were worried yeah. about, they didn't want to do anything <laughs> to fuck <America>. that up. <laughs> yeah, so the next track is called Bron Your Ore. Okay, it's Bron Dash Y R Dash A U R. Okay which is an old English kind of thing, um, and that was the name of the cottage that they uh, had written and arranged a lot of Led Zeppelin III in, okay? It's an acoustic piece that uh, you know Jimmy Page wrote, and it was recorded at Island Studio in mid-1970, the first time. Uh, the track was later used in the background music in the group's film, The Song Remains the Same. Have you ever yeah. seen
1: that movie? No, i never seen that movie. Is that any F- good?
2: Yeah, yeah. This is a movie that, you know, it was like Rocky Horror. You used to have to see it like at midnight in the theaters. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it, 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 you got to watch it stoned. Really. Wait, it, let me it, ask you this question.
1: think yeah. how weird it was to do like a exclusive solo while taping in the studio.
2: What, what do you mean?
1: Imagine how hard it was because there's no electronic and you really got to have mics and stuff on it to catch yeah. the thing.
2: It's yeah.
1: Not, everything is electronic and you plug it in, it's loud. It's oh,
2: no, this was all analog, man. It, it's, to- it's totally, it's a totally different way of recording. So okay? think about
1: how they had to get that him playing like a solo and they had it right. They had to have the right sound, the right lift because yep. you could do something like that and totally. Just, it sounds like shit, but no. Well, there, sounds- was,
2: there was tricks. There was tricks that these sound engineers used to do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you remember when we talked about the Revolver album, the Beatles album, oh,
1: yeah. uh, they,
2: they packed Ringo's bass, uh, bass drum with, with clothes Yeah. <laughs> to, to give it like a, a different kind of sound that, that yeah. just sounded better. You had tricks. And these sound engineers, this is what these guys did. This is what they knew. They knew how to mic an instrument. They knew how to, you know, you you still have to know that today, but so much of it is done in the mix. I'm not an audio engineer, so I can't say from experience. But what I do know is that, like, you could tell, all right, like um, bands like the White Stripes, okay, they used to record, I don't know if they did on every album, but a bunch of their albums they they recorded using analog equipment, okay, and and you know Jack White would would uh, search out old equipment and old studios and things like that to you get that because sound.
1: A lot of these people analog was better than what they're using now.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's a different sound, and and, and uh, is it better? I I don't know. I mean, considering most of the music I listen to is is pre nineteen eighty. Okay, so, you know, that's that was all analog, so that's the music I love, but... Uh, what did Phil Spector like to use? Oh, he only used analog. Yeah. I don't think he... I mean, in the very end of his career, in the early 2000s, when he was working with that British band, he really... He must have known digital somewhat, but everything he did in the 60s and 70s was analog. Yeah, all right. You know, so... Um, the next one was called Down by the Seaside. And that was originally written as an acoustic track um, at the Cottage Branya or in 1970. And it was an influence. It had a Neil Young kind of influence to it. Uh, it was reworked as an electrified track for Physical Graffiti during sessions for the fourth album, actually. Okay. Uh, in the following year. All right. Um, they used that for physical graffiti and uh, page and bottom led the arranging changing the tempo. Okay. From the slow to the fast. Um, and then back again, that was something that they worked on together page and bottom. The next track is 10 years gone. And that was mostly composed by Robert plant. And it's about an old love affair and was combined with an instrumental piece that P, uh, that page had written featuring Overdubbed electric and acoustic guitar parts on top of that, so when the track was performed live, and this is very interesting, uh John Paul Jones played uh, he would come out with a triple neck guitar, all right wow. and the guitar I don't know if they, they, there must be footage of this. I don't know if I've ever seen it, but he he comes out with this you know triple neck guitar, and one neck features a mandolin. One neck is a six string guitar and one neck is a 12 string guitar. OK. And the idea was to recapture this kind of like overdubbed with different guitar parts sound that the, the song had on the studio album. Very difficult to do. OK. I mean, it, it, you know, you have all these different different guitars overlaid and then to reproduce that live. He had to come out with this gigantic triple neck guitar.
1: And you okay. also needed to know what the fuck you're
2: doing. Yeah. I mean, these guys were amazing. You know, people, people talk about Page and he deserves everything, all the accolades he gets. Can't forget John Paul Jones. The, the nah, he was, John. Well,
1: he's another guy. that was. Yeah. Great.
2: And he kind of, I don't think he gets enough respect, but I, I think he was definitely a, a major linchpin in that band. He was definitely,
1: he was a very influential in this album because he's mentioned so many times.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, he he, you know, he was a hardworking guy, you know, yeah. and you don't hear much from him anymore, but you know, now side four, you had Night Flight as the first track, and that was recorded at Headley Grange in 1971 for the fourth album. Uh, besides the usual bass, John Paul Jones plays a Hammond organ on the track, and Page plays guitar through what was called a Leslie speaker. A Leslie speaker is a combination of an amp and a loudspeaker. Wow. Okay. Plant wrote the lyrics after reading a news headline entitled Nuclear Damage Test Threat. And it made him think like why there was so little peace and love in the world. So that was what that song was about. Now, the next was called the Wanton Song. Okay. A Wanton Song. It was built around a page guitar riff. And unlike some of the other tracks recorded in 74 at the Headley Gray sessions, uh, it was kind of straightforward, all right, to arrange. And the group building the songs all around the riffs, they didn't have to do too much with that one. Boogie with Stu would be next. And that was the jam session with Rolling Stones piano player Ian Stewart. Uh, And it's based around the Richie Valens song, Ooh My Head, all right, now, it was recorded in 71 at Headley Grange during the same session that produced the rock, rock and roll off of Led Zeppelin IV. Um, but the, this is where they got in a little trouble. It didn't credit Valens or even Bob Keene, who was Richie Valens' manager, okay? They instead credited Richie Valens' mother, okay? And that l- led to a lawsuit. And... Uh, this Why did Valens. they credit the mother?
1: Why did they? Do I don't that?
2: know. They should have credited Richie Valens. They credited yeah. it, they credited the mother. All right. So maybe Bob they Bob have Keen the mother some money. Well, Bob, well, eventually she would uh, would get it. Okay, Bob Keen, who was his Richie Richie Valens manager, sued Led Zeppelin, and half of the money that was awarded did go to Richie Valens' mother, even though she she was wasn't part of the lawsuit. Very strange. There was you know. Led Zeppelin was sued for a lot of things over the years, uh, you know, a little bit for, like, ripping off stuff. But this was a weird one because they, they credited it wrong. Right? Why would you do that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how that happened. It's so, weird, man. It, it is weird. Now, Black Country Woman was recorded in the Garden at Stargroves, okay, in 1972 for Houses of the Holy, that album. Um, it, it, it was part of uh, what the group had this desire to record in different places that were kind of outside the studio environment. It was going to be on Houses of the Holy, but they didn't use it, all right? and
1: do you, you think they think they were holding these songs for other albums? Because if they did, they did a great job with it. Say that again? I see. Do you think these guys were holding these songs for another album?
2: Did, on purpose at the time? Sounds, I, I, they, no, they, they 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 had. I I think it just happens sometimes with a band. You might have studio time. You co- you want to make a record? You got a few songs that you got to leave off because it's too long.
1: Right. think about it. they put it with this album, and it's like it works perfect with this fucking album.
2: Yeah, it does. It didn't work good with anything else. I yeah, because it okay. wouldn't make
1: sense if it was anybody with this album and the whole. I'm telling you, everything makes sense, which yeah. is.
2: It they all came to it. together. It all came together. Yeah,
1: okay. they this or did they, or did they have like a master plan that they were planning something like
2: that? I don't know. I, I, I think that they had. You know, they had a bunch of tracks, and they said, you know what, we, we need to fill up another album side. So let's get a couple more songs together. Let's oh, see what, what we got.
1: Was this an album that they just needed to pull
2: out an album and they
1: put this together? It's like fucking fantastic.
2: Yeah. I mean it it well it, I think it's the first I think it's the first record released on Swan Song. Okay. So
1: they, probably, I, they, they probably did do that. It's make a good album to take some songs. Yeah. That have.
2: yeah. So, you know, uh, how how things happen, you don't, you know, we don't know. We're not in the band, but it just seems like they just needed to it, it, you know, I mean, you know a band is great when when your outtakes are unbelievable. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, you know, Stones are another one. I mean, Tattoo You, the Stones album, is an album entirely of outtakes. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that album, they didn't have anything new written, okay? It was, it was the beginning of, they had just gotten off the Some Girls tour, okay? That, and, and they would like, you know, Richards had gotten off a of Heroin a few years earlier. They had nothing. And they said, you know, we got all this material, let's put it out. Start Me Up was like a track that started out as a reggae song originally. And they reworked it into What You Know, okay? So, you know, that's, a, that's probably their last, like, you know, really good album. And it was all outtakes. So it shows how good a band can be, right? Wow. I'm just so amazed by that. Yeah. Now, Sick Again is the next song, okay? Um And, oh, I forgot to mention something about Black Country Woman. Uh, did you ever notice there's a, a, a sound of an airplane? Yeah. Okay, they, they were going to take that out and redo it, but they kept it in there for effect. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So Sick Again was the next song, and that was written by Page and Plant about 19... It was about the 1973 tour, and their experience... With meeting groupies, now you gotta wonder what that... <laughs> you're sick again. You know, like just getting getting the clap or something. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? You think it's about that, Rob? It might be. Sick it again, might be sick what? again. You know, oh, no,
1: my dick is burning. Yeah. off. I'm, my dick, I'm,
2: my I'm... dick is burning again. It's the, burning. It's the... <laughs> burning. Now the track was driven by John Bonham's drumming and Paige's guitar riffs. And the arrangement had been worked out before, rec- they, they, before they recorded it. And it was pretty much straightforward to put down on tape. They didn't have to do a lot of takes on that one. <clears throat> now, you have to mention, almost all material for physical graffiti was used. Yeah. All right. They, they used everything they had. And little was left over from the recording sessions. But there was an early arrangement of custard pie that was very different from what you heard on physical graffiti and that version would be reworked into the song hots on for nowhere um, which would be on the following album presence and a number of other outtakes from earlier album sessions that were not included on physical graffiti were later put on the 1982 album coda all right now that was the, the album that came out their very last after they had broken up Um, you have to talk with physical graffiti you have to talk about the album cover and the artwork and the packaging of the whole thing because it's very unique something that was very different at the time Uh, it actually delayed the release of the album because they were working on this so hard okay they had the album recorded they had the records pressed but the jacket wasn't ready okay the album jacket was not ready so it was supposed to come out at the end of 74 that album but because of the delay of what they did. Now, the album was originally released with a die-cut sleeve design depicting a New York City tenement block, okay? Now, through whose windows you could see, like, various cultural icons, Mm -hmm. and they could be kind of changed depending on if you pulled the record out or what, okay? So the album designer, his name was Peter Corriston, was looking for a building in New York City that was very symmetrical, um, very interesting looking, and it didn't have any obstructions of any kind, um, and it had a fit on a square cover. Yes. Because the album was square, okay? Now, he subsequently came up with the rest of the cover based on people moving in and out of the tenement with various sleeves that could be placed under the main cover and filling the windows in. Okay. So the windows cut out on the, on the building. Okay. And basically what they ended up using was, you know, 96 and 98 St. Mark's place in the East village. All right. And it's a, they're two five story buildings right next to each other. Yeah. All right. And the original photograph did go under uh, some tweaks. Okay, because they actually removed the fourth floor in the yeah. picture. All right, because, because it didn't fit. So it doesn't look like five stories. It looks more like four. Yeah. Okay, but, it, but it, other than that, it's pretty much that, uh, that building. Okay, now you got to mention also, we've talked about this many times with the Stones video waiting on a friend. Yeah. Okay, if, if you remember that video with Mick Jagger standing right outside the building, that's the building. okay. And I've it's funny, I've you know, hung out in the village for the last thirty-five years, if not more than that now. And uh, now there's a tea place down there called there, there's a tea place in there. There's a there is a place called Physical Graffiti too, right? Yeah, the tea place. Yeah, it's a tea place, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I've been asked on numerous occasions by tourists, oh, where's the physical graffiti building? And I've said, oh, that way, you know, eighth follows St. Mark's down between first and A. That's where it is, okay. And they always find it. So, um, now what they did is they they with the album design, they forego the usual gatefold design, okay, where it would open up. Doesn't do that, okay. Um, Instead, they had this special die cut cover. The original album jacket included four covers made up of two inners. All right. And it was a middle insert cover and that's white. Okay. The middle insert. And it, it details all the album track listings and recording information that you pull out and you look at it. Okay. The outer cover has die cut windows on the, on the buildings. So when the middle cover is wrapped around the inner cover, and sl- slides into the outer cover, the title of the album, Physical Graffiti, is spelled out in the windows. Do you ever notice that? Yeah, it's a very interesting um, yeah. album cover. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you look at it, when, when, you, when you basically, on the other side of it, okay, when you pull it out, you can see icons like W.C. Fields, uh, Led Zeppelin themselves are shown in it, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Pope, Le- Pope Leo the 13th and astronaut Buzz yeah. Aldrin is on that album cover, okay? Um, the album design ended up being nominated for a Best Album Package the next year for a Grammy in 76. Uh, didn't win, but it should have. You know? It should have. Definitely.
1: So that's all I got for you today. My God, what a journey into such a fantastic album to are making, like Cause these are songs that pretty much revolutionized um, music forever, man. Like you know, oh, yeah. when uh, when when you take an album that got so many great songs and um, it's and it goes up there to the top 100, probably best album of all time.
2: Oh, it's up there. I'd put it in the top 100. Yeah,
1: Mike, I, I would put this album in the top 20. Maybe, maybe definitely top 50, 40. I would never put a top 20. I would put it up there with maybe um It's
2: it's an import, it's an important album that it's important, huh? everybody I put up there should with
1: have. It was only band and you know what it's such it's a great album.
2: Yeah. And it it really captures the 70s, you know, where rock was in 75, that's where it was uh in all its kind of like you know, excess and things like that. Uh You know, it's kind of funny because the album cover is shot in in New York City on St. Mark's Place in 75. Yeah. And you had the, the punk scene was starting at the same time in the East Village and kind of like juxtaposed with each other, okay? You had Led Zeppelin who were making this amazing album with an album cover of the East, you know, famous spot in the East Village. And then just two avenues down, you had this whole other scene, which was the antithesis of that. Okay. It was, you know, everything that bands in the East Village were doing in 75, the punk bands, the Ramones and all that, those other bands, even Patti Smith and stuff <laughs> that was totally opposite to what Led Zeppelin was doing. Okay. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, but uh, a classic album, uh, I recommend everybody have it, listen to it. It's great. Uh, there's not a bad song, and like I said earlier, it's rare for a double album with no filler at all. Um, check it out, you know, learn yeah, something
1: because if you buy the CD, they added so much more things to it.
2: Oh, yeah, this it's been, it's, it's been remastered, it's been re released several times, yeah, with bonus tracks. Uh, there might be stuff with live things on it, and yep. you know, uh. Maybe, um, I, I, you know, I, 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 always, I, I, love, I love stuff like that, but with me, I, will you know, if it's one of my favorite bands, I'll buy that kind of stuff, but I always end up within a year or two just going back to the original, you know what yeah. I mean? Because yep. that's, that's, that's what you want to hear when the band decided to put out, and uh, I don't think you can get a, a better Zeppelin album than physical graffiti. That's, that's,
1: you know, that's the, the reason he could their creativity. That's what I love um, Apple Music so much because they they give you the original version of just the plain first album. Yeah. And you could get the deluxe version or you could get a super deluxe version. But they'll actually give you the choice of which one you want to listen to. Which and
2: some, some, some don't do that. Some, yeah. you know, p- put out like the reworked, remastered versions. You want to hear the original, you know? No, no, no.
1: That's what I love Apple, because they put the original one and then they told you, "Do you want to hear the MasterCard. Let, to- let me
2: ask you something. I don't know if you know this, but, you know, the Beatles albums, a lot of them came out in mono. Yeah. Okay. Does, does Apple Music let you listen to that too?
1: Yeah, that you I think wasn't a song. You can listen to whatever you want. It's a thing that you put there and you can listen. So Yeah. It's it's, it's pretty you'd be shocked what they do.
2: No. I mean mono is the best way to listen to the early yeah. Beatles, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a whole other subject. But so right. physical graffiti's in the books. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I have a question. What's that?
1: Now that now that this is over, um um, we got a lot of other shows. We got the Sister of Mercy next week, right?
2: Yes, yes. And if all goes well, we're going to have a guest, a returning guest. We'll surprise you with that. The next, oh, yeah. two, next two weeks, we might have guests. Oh, okay.
1: That sounds good to me. All
2: right. And uh, in two weeks, we're going to have, we have Sisters of Mercy next week. We got Sam Hain uh, the last week, um, which will be Halloween time. Yeah. So it's a good it's a good show for that. Sam Hain was the band that Glenn Danzig started after he left the Misfits. Yeah. Uh, only had a couple albums, but they did some good stuff. And uh, hopefully, we're going to do it on video, and I'm going to show you some interesting things if everything goes as planned.
1: So, um, Mike, other than that, uh, how can people reach out to you if they want to send you a message, a hello? And I got sure. to sure. Sweden, guys, thank you for the shout out, and in England. We just broke. We just broke in the top 200. So, guys, thank you for your support. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And um, pretty soon, we're gonna have some sponsors on this show because this wonderful little program is getting more and more popular. Yep. our tube is taking off. The um, uh, the the, the we, we did a uh, tribute show on a, on um. Lee Scratch Perry that people are still listening to today because people just want to hear stuff, different stuff. And we bring you a different take that other people does. We break out the music to you. We tell you about the album. Mike brings a lot of information and you know, and we just talk about album. Let's talk about the music. Let's talk about this. So I'm glad that the rock show is doing so good at Sweden and in um England. And guys, thank you, man, because we yeah. did all the support we could get. Because we do this, we do this right now just on our own because of the love of music and of the love we have for you
2: guys. And th- that's very well said, Rob. I-, I-, I spend probably three to four nights a week researching these things. Um, of course, we occasionally do the conspiracy show and sometimes we interview people. But the rock show is really my, you know, my baby with this. And I, I just kind of spend a lot of time putting these things together, researching things. And I do it because I love it. And I want everybody to learn something. And uh I don't want this, this great rock and roll history that we have to go by the wayside. Uh You know, it's sad because you, you hear things like Gibson guitars is going out, you know, is, is having yes. money problems and things like that. You know, kids aren't picking up guitars like they used to. So I, I you know, if I can get some 13 year old, to pick up a guitar and go play cashmere, My, you know, that's, Mike, that's amazing.
1: guitar, but it's like, you know, for Nintendo or something. Like,
2: like yeah, or, right. So it's Guitar Rock Hero or something. Yeah, but, they
1: got Guitar right. Hero and they got Guitar Rock. They got all this. They got, there's like two big
2: ones. Well, the, the, the great thing is the music is here. It's never going to go away. You could find it on all the great, you know, whether you're online. Hey, but or, Mike,
1: we might hate that they picking up the Guitar Hero, but you know what? I gotta give it. Those guys paid the artists.
2: Well, they do, okay. And uh, it cracks me up sometimes. A kid will say to me, you know, like my, my stepson had said to me a few years ago. I was playing "School's Out" one day by Alice Cooper in the car, and he goes, "Oh, I know this song. It's on uh, it's on Guitar Hero." I'm like, "Oh, okay," <laughs> but at least Alice got paid. Yeah. You know? but-
1: Because you know what? Harold Smith made more money off Guitar Hero than they ever made off their (laughs)
2: albums. Off their albums. Isn't that amazing?
1: That's
2: amazing. Wow. Wow. All right. So if you want to find me and, and, and private message me, give me some ideas or just say hi, I'm on Instagram, rockermike212, rockermike212. I'm also on Clout Hub and MeWe as rockermike. I'm um, on Facebook under Rock Mike. Rocco Mike. And of course we've got the Rock Show podcast group page on Facebook. Uh that me and Rob run. And every day we got new stuff on there. Song of the day, song of the night. Uh check it out. Join the group. Okay. We've got over a thousand members now. But guys so, guys put a lot of stuff
1: up out there, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's activity every there's day. Activity. We, we we need more. I have to say, we need more, but
1: yeah, but Mike, can I tell you one of the funniest things? Mike. Yeah. You, can I tell you a funny thing? What? Anytime we're together, people hear us talking.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: when you leave. Well, this is that you guys sound so familiar. <laughs> and, uh, you probably heard our podcast. Oh, that's rock and
2: that <laughs> <laughs> has that has it, that has it happened. cracks me up every time. <laughs> that happened to me. That happened to me about, I think, the first time that happened to me, I was in Doc Holidays. Okay, great bar on, on 9th Street and Avenue A in, in New York City. And, uh, you know, I'm in the bar, and I, I think I was talking to Scott the cop or one of those guys. I think it was Scott. And someone just taps me on the shoulder. I didn't know him, and he goes, "He goes, are you Rocker Mike?" <laughs> he goes, "I recognize your voice. Are you Rocker?" Mike? And I said, "Yeah." And he's like, "He's like, oh man, I love your show. You know, it's funny. You know, it really is. They just, you know, people have discovered the show and just walking up to me and just by my voice."
1: Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Now I'll mention it now. I'm um, uh, what I'm planning to do. Uh, But I guess by the time this is up, it'll be known on the on the Rock Show group page on Facebook. But I'm going to we're going to be putting up voting for the January shows. okay? and I want everybody on the Rock Show podcast group page to vote through the month of October for that. Uh, I'll be putting that up. Um, Also, we're going to be doing a different format starting in January where we're going to alternate. Every other week, a rock show and then a conspiracy show. A rock show and a conspiracy show. Yeah, um, and, uh, so it's gonna be a little yeah, bit different. Could
1: be good, yeah. Yeah. I'm moving forward with the uh, the, I'm moving forward with uh, talking wrestling. I got to do more of because right. I keep getting requests for it. you know the problem is we do so much work, and it takes time, and sometimes we don't have the
2: time. But we yeah, put the we're time, working guys. We it. It's it, we're, we're all and, and Freak John also, you know, for the, yeah. for the Freak Show. You know he's got a lot going on, and and sometimes you guys can't get the show in. You know yes. what can you do? You know, yeah, but, but
1: you know what I'm gonna start doing some filling shows so yeah. we can get it enough. So because I really want to do four shows a week to go up up on the podcast. Because you know what the the way even video the way you stay uh, active in this thing, you got to get people contact a lot of contact every
2: week. Exactly, and we do that. Okay, yeah. there, there's, there's a consistent rock show every week. We interview people, you know, once or twice a month. You know, so there's a lot of stuff. Every, you guys do the freak show almost every yeah. week. Yeah. So, you know. So Mike,
1: the rock show has been two, it been it two shows a week so far. Well, uh, well we've had some, tribute.
2: yeah, we've had some fucking tribute shows, which unfortunately people are dying. Uh, Charlie Watts, we did a tribute. Uh, Lee Scratch Perry, the reggae art, artist and producer. That's uh, Dusty Hill. Yeah, it started with that, really. It didn't, everyone Think about this,
1: uh, it's three, it's it's like we've been having two shows a week on the rock show. Once a rock show and once a rock show trivia show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to see those, but we will do them as they come along.
1: And it's also dependent if there were a person we're not trying to be asshole, but it's also the person that had a significant um significant significant in the business.
2: Yeah. Definitely.
1: Somebody that changed the business, somebody that brought in something to the business. Because there's a lot of people that died, uh, great people, great musicians. But there's certain people that you have to make a tribute show because these people change the way you listen to music, the way you think, the way you were. like Just the attitude and everything, you know?
2: Right. Like Charlie Watts. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Or even
1: Lee Lee Scratch Perry.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, for reggae people, absolutely. For reggae people.
1: That guy was was an icon, man.
2: Totally, totally.
1: So where can we find you, Rob? All right, so people, my beautiful, lovely, lumped-up people, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, Anything getting lumped up. Anything getting any lumped up, pretty much. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and um, again, man, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the love that you people are showing us. Mike is overwhelmed by the love, the support. Yes. But guys, uh, pretty pretty soon we're gonna get some sponsor. We also try and get people that donate, give us some money. So I got some stuff. So if you wanna donate or whatever, to and everything goes to the show. You know, we don't want to make a million dollars. We just want to make enough money that we can buy some equipment and this that's a support the show. So whatever you guys can get, whatever you can, we'll take it.
2: <laughs> million dollars would be good too. <laughs> million dollars to would
1: be good, but we don't need a million dollars.
2: We just need a few bucks to buy some money. We uh, we are equipment. very we're we're very low tech right now, and we've we've done amazing things just yep. in the low tech. Yep. Um, I hope that you know. This year is winding down. Uh, I'm hoping that as we go into next year, we can really step it up and, and be a lot better quality. We want to do more video. Yep. Um, you know, it's 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 all just, you know, going it's all going forward from here. You know? Yep. And uh, Sweden. Thank you very much. Sweden, so UK, top Japan, 200. Australia, yeah. New Zealand. You've all been great uh and in new york in, in new york in, in city america, please
1: broke the top 200 also last week for a few days
2: yeah yeah we've been right in in america yeah yeah so it's huge yeah you know, it is huge considering all the podcasts out yeah there. oh my god
1: there's a million podcasts imagine you being the top 200 in certain places yeah
2: that's yeah, amazing you, you know you you start touching Joe Rogan territory and all that,
1: you I know? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Some people, I like to uh, end the show with a uh, famous saying, don't get drunk.
2: Get lumped up.
1: We see you next week.
2: Take care, people. Have a good one. Bye.
0: Podcast you will hear that will be music to your ears. You'll learn about bands you love or may not know, and it's only here on The Rock Show. Ooh, yeah, on The Rock Show. Ooh, yeah, on The Rock Show. Don't tell your friends. Let's get lumped up on the rock show